The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Hey, 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 hey. Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Do you think that you could repeat the all right, we're going to post it on my page, we're going to post it on the Valley Patriot page, let's get it up on Twitter. All right, I think we're good. You good over there? I'm great. All right, let's get this show on the road. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, top two guys, Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, we've got a real good treat for you today. We have a debate for the 14th, it's the 14th, right? 14th, 14th. Essex uh, District, which nobody really cares about except for the candidates. <laughs> hey, now. But, but just to, so we can distinguish which, which, which uh, district it is between uh, two, there's no incumbent in this race. This is a seat that was held by Christina Minacucci, and they changed the, um, the district. So uh, she's not running for re-election. We have two people running uh, to fill that seat. First, uh, Adrian, from, to my left, Adrian Ramos, and to her left, to your right, Joe Finn. And the, uh, the rules of the debate are there really are no rules. So um, I'm not going to ask you, like, can you solve world peace? You've got 30 seconds, okay? Nobody learns anything from that. So we're just going to ask you to just be mindful of the time. The only time I'm going to jump in is if somebody asks a question, doesn't let the other person answer it. Or if someone's getting too much time and talking over someone, I might just jump in to be fair. Otherwise, I'm just going to throw out a topic, let you guys talk to each other. And if there's anything in particular you want to talk about, feel free to bring it up. Um, why don't we start with um, you guys just introducing yourself. Tell people who you are. Give them a little bit of a snapshot of like, who you are as a person and why it is that they should vote for you. And whoever wants to go first, I'll let you guys decide. Sure. Well, I'm right here, so I'll go ahead and go first. My name's Adrienne Ramos, and I am a resident of North Andover. My husband and three kids and our lovable Labradoodle live there. So I'm a mom of three. My girls are 8, 10, and 12, and they all attend North Andover Public Schools. I am a lawyer by trade. I've been a litigator and a family law attorney my entire career. Started out working actually in the judiciary, then I did some public policy work, and now I've been uh, at a firm in Boston for some years. And uh, in that capacity, I really have gotten to see you know families and, and understand what they're what they're going through and and uh, the struggles that are faced by our, our our Commonwealth and by the you know families throughout so that is a little bit about me I um, am running because the seat was open and I thought it was time to kind of put my money where my mouth is Tom you probably could appreciate mm -hmm. that I have a lot to say uh, about things and how things can be better. And I think my skills uh, in the courtroom can translate into being a strong advocate uh, for our district at, uh, in Beacon Hill. All right. Well, thank you. Good luck. Uh, Joe? 
Well, thank you, Tom. Thanks for hosting this. I really appreciate it. What I'd like to do is just talk a little bit about myself and then why I'm running, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then some of my experience. So I am a resident of uh, North Andover. I've been there for 22 years. Uh, my wife and I raised uh, three kids there. Uh, they all graduated from the high school. My wife actually graduated from the high school. She actually grew up in North Andover. Uh, my father-in-law actually has a street named after him in North Andover. Can you pull the mic a little closer so closer. Can, you about it? can you hear yes, that great. now? Thank you. I coach. I was very much involved in the community. I coached uh, youth basketball and baseball for 22, uh, for 15 consecutive years. So I did a lot of district work, a lot of travel work. Um, and so uh, I never thought it would end, uh, but it did. And now I miss it. So that's one of those things. Um, the, one of the reasons I'm running for uh, the state reposition uh, is because some of the policies that we see out there, I think, are causing uh, a lot of struggles for the people that are out there in the 14th Essex District. If you look at it right now, uh, we're number four in outward migration. Um, with that, uh, they're taking about $2.5 billion worth of revenue with them, and a lot of that has to do with their tax policies. So anytime you think about state aid, Think about the, te- the people that are leaving. It is so much so that it's actually more than all the other New England states put together when they leave. And they're going to a lot of lower state uh, climates in that. Also, with the businesses, we're worried. Uh, I'm very worried about the small businesses. Right now, we're, we're ranked 34th in the country uh, for uh, the uh, uh, tax climate. Uh, it could go to 47, the saying, if we vote uh, yes on question one, because that's going to hurt small businesses. So I'm worried about that. Uh, New Hampshire is ranked number sixth uh, in business cl- uh, climate tax. So you can imagine that this is where they're all going. Uh, so that is a big concern. Let me tell you this. I started knocking on doors on May 8th. To date, I've knocked on 6,000 doors. I've talked to probably about 1,500 people. Now, why did I do that? What I wanted to do is just go out and talk to them about some of their struggles and what they really are concerned with, because it's a lot different when people read it in a paper, see it or listen to it on the radio. If you go out and talk to these people, it's amazing how frustrated and angry they are. I went to a business, and just real quick, um, it was in Amesbury with the, with the business owner. She had tears in her eyes. It was unbelievable. I've had people in the driveways talking to me. I'm thinking, these guys are going to stroke out in the driveway. That's how angry they are out there over what's going on in Massachusetts. So it's always good to go out there and talk to them about the issues. And what are they concerned with? They always talk about, of course, is inflation, but tax relief in order to help them with inflation. Overdevelopment comes up a lot in these towns. State aid comes up in these towns. Fentanyl coming over, what are we going to do? They're starting to get into the communities, comes up in these, in these discussions. Also, demonization of the police comes up in these discussions. And, that, and let me talk to, to you a little bit about that. We're going to get into all of that. Okay. I just wanted you hold to do on. an introduction. Hold on, hold on. Let me just talk about my experience, and I'll get right to that. All right. I, I, sp- I spent a career in, in federal law enforcement. I started with the Postal Inspection Service, and we did all types of crimes. We did drug cases. We did identity theft. We did child porn. We did uh, fraud against seniors. Um, identity. So we did a lot of different types of cases. Then I moved over to the Office of Inspector General, and I want to get to that. Because what, what happened is, is that federal law enforcement was split. And so it went over to, to the Office of Inspector General. We did all the internal crimes. What they asked me to do is build the entire Northeast Area Field Office. And it was brand new. So when I got to Boston, when I got to the office, it was me. That was it. I had a desk and a chair and a file cabinet. And they asked me to build this entire office. And that's what I did. By the time I was done, 
I developed all the office all throughout New England. I had every single special agent, forensic examiner, administrator in that place. The reason I say that, all right, and the reason, and the reason I say that, right, is because I understand what police need. I, need, I know about their resources because I got all their resources for them. I know about funding because I got all their funding for them. The police learned one. The police. Wait, wait, the police. Wait, wait. wait a second. The police learned one thing. You know it's what? It's okay. Was? We'll make it up on the other end. So don't it worry can, about. Yeah, it. it can be equal time, right? She can have equal time, right? What we learned from that, from the police unions, is that those people who actually do the work understand their needs, and they learned a valuable lesson because of the reform bill. That was one of the worst pieces of, of legislation that we've seen, right? For police, all right. When they called over for those people that endorsed I gotta, them, I got to cut you off because you, you, you kill it on my topics. There were crickets on the other end, right? I think they've learned the lesson because, listen, I talk to people. Everybody now is for public safety, right? I hear it. Hey, my third cousin on my wife's side is a policeman someplace. I'm for public safety, right? They've learned their lesson, I think. And so that's my experience with that. And so... Thank you for listening. All right. I'm going to give Adrian uh, an okay. opportunity to answer anything that you just said because you kind of killed some of my topics and we will uh, go back you know, to them. You know what? Uh, that's okay. Why don't we just jump right into it? I'll, uh, we'll make up the time. All I'm right, not worried about all it. All right. Before we go forward, I want to thank my sponsors. Sal DeFranco, candidate for State Senate, AFC Urgent Care North Andover, Pleasant Valley Landscaping in Methuen, Clear Path for Veterans New England, which both of you guys should be supporting. They help homeless veterans. Borelli's Deli, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, Lazy River Products, and our good friend Matt McClennan at McClennan Real Estate Century 21 in Methuen. So why don't we get into uh, the first topic? And uh, Joe talked a lot about the, uh, the taxes and some of that uh, uh, financial stuff. So why don't we uh, start off with uh, inflation and the price of gas and the price of groceries. What will each of you do? to try and make life a little easier for the people in your district. And since Joe had so much time, uh, we're going to let Adrian uh, take this one first. Yeah, well, thank you, Tom. So, you know, look, um, I, I want to talk about what I can do as a state representative, right? Because that is very different than what a, the federal legislation can do. And, you know, inflation isn't just a, a federal issue. It's a national issue. It's an international issue. And as a state representative, you know, there's only going to be so much we're going to be able to do. We can't end the war in Ukraine. Right. I'd love to end the war in Ukraine, but, you know, we can't do that. So we have to work with the, what we can do. And what we can do is continue to offer aid to families that are struggling. We, continue, we can continue to offer free meals in schools, which helps so many families actually be able to feed their children every day. We can continue to offer fuel assistance and oil assistance. We can continue to offer rental assistance. So, you know, there are programs already in place. I'm not going to be able to curb in inflation as a, as a single state representative. What I can do is make sure that the families it's affecting is getting access to services and, can, and those services are, and, and assistance programs are funded. Do you think, if you don't mind me just asking, do you think that... Um the people who are eligible for these services, whether it's home heating assistance, it always seems to be the people at the very bottom. And the people who are kind of in between the bottom and the middle always kind of seem to get squeezed out. Doesn't it seem like we should expand the, uh, the, the income levels for the people who can, with, with what's going on right yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, absolutely. And I will tell you that I think that that is absolutely a problem. And I see that even in legal services. You see people who are unable to uh, you know, get counsel, but don't qualify for free counsel. So that is across the board. We need funds to do that, mm -hmm. right? So we need to, you know, the money isn't going to grow on a, at a tree, like my mother would say. So we have to be mindful of making sure that we're, we have the, the state revenue. In under an hour. Um, 
Just kidding. It's a joke. You guys are supposed to laugh at that. Uh, go ahead, Joe. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah. When it comes to when you go out there and talk to these people, all right. Like I said before, we, I went and talked to. It was Heritage Village in Amesbury. It was a person, uh, elderly person. It's uh, it's in um, uh, government housing, um, and she's saying, "How am I going to how am I going to pay for my prescription drugs?" She goes, because everything is going up. And when I started knocking on doors, it was gas, it was food, right? Then it changed for electric and, and gas. What these people are looking for is not for us to solve inflation, because that's going to be done at the federal level, right? That's going to be on the fiscal side, right? They're going to draw money out by bringing up the interest rates. But there are things right? you guys can do to help There's that, absolute, too. And that's the thing, right? You can do it through tax, tax credits. You can do it through tax cuts, and you can do it through tax rebates. That was all. You can do it even in the gas tax in terms of if it goes above $4 a gallon, I would, I would cut back on the, on the gas, ca- on gas tax. All right. Uh, I'm, commi- I'm committed to... And six- I agree. I'm committed to 62F and that's being done right. Chapter 62F, which is being done now. The economic development bill had everything in it. All right. But it was held up for four or five months. There was no reason for that. There were people out there suffering. They had, they had a lot of things in there that they needed. And let me tell you a couple of things, just so you know. And this is what the people were looking for. All right, $30 million added to the low-income home energy assistance program would have been great for them, all right? Was held up for four or five months, right? It was $300 million to cover the waivers, right, on thousands of Massachusetts job claimants. These are the overpayments. Now, where I was, right, we used to investigate that stuff, right? They're just waiving that stuff. That's going to be saddled with the, with, with the small businesses, right? There was a tax cut, right, for the small businesses, and I don't even know if they're getting it anymore, right? The state... Uh, could have done that. That was in the economic development bill. There was a lot of things in that economic development bill that they should have passed five months ago. If, All right. If I let's, could just let's, briefly let's, on Absolutely. That. You can break so, it down so, anytime you want. So just briefly on that. Uh, the economic development bill that he's talking about that's been held up was held up because the funding source, the primary funding source for that economic development bill was the 62F funds, which have now been returned to the, ta- to the, to the taxpayers of Massachusetts, which you just said you supported. And I support as well. And I think it's great that that money went back. But we can't have an economic development bill, again, without a funding source. Yeah, Joe. No, that's, that's, that. that's, that's not true. They, 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 they knew from the... There was $7 billion in that bill. And now, and, and actually, they're, they're passing it right... They're trying to pass it right now, right? I think it's on Governor Baker's desk. That's not true. They knew from the beginning, right, that that, that initial 62F, could, Chapter 62F was, was covered, and so was the economic bill. That should have been passed, when it was six months ago, in my opinion, because it had everything in it that we, almost everything in it that we had that we needed for a lot of relief for people. So when we talk about inflation, it's the relief that they wanted from, from, from the inflation. That's what I talk about a lot. But let me tell you this, why it was held up, all right? One of the reasons it was held up, right, it was the Massachusetts Teachers Association, all right? Massachusetts, they sent a letter, all right, to House and Senate leadership in late September, which implores lawmakers to pause consideration of future tax cuts, either permanent or temporary, until the next legislative session. All right? Not even now. That's, the that's next not legis- uncommon. Right? right? Now, the, now the yeah, Massachusetts... Now it's the Mass- not uncommon now in the an Mass- election year. Now, the Massachusetts Association, right, is funding my opponent's campaign. Yes, they are. Right? They, I have, I'm proudly so, endorsed by the Massachusetts so it Teachers was, Association. It was, it was, instead of giving the $30 million to the low income for housing, giving people like I talk to out on the doors, right, who have tears in their eyes, the elderly who are saying, hey, how am I going to pay for my bills? No. And why did the Massachusetts Teachers Association want a further cut? Because they wanted debt-free college. That was part of it. Debt-free <laughs> oh, no, college. That sounds terrible. Right? right? De- debt-free college. As a, and this is, this is about priorities, right? When you leave here today, 
right? Always think of state aid. I am looking for state aid for my, my, uh, the people in my district, right? But how are and you going to get state and, aid if and, you're going to cut taxes? And, and I want to prioritize spending. There is, it's nice. All of the things that we're talking about are good. But you've got to prioritize where you're going to spend. And for me, state aid is number one. That's, that's, that's where I want. You need the tax. You but need you're, the- telling, you're telling your voters that you're going to cut taxes. How are you going to cut taxes and, may, and get them this aid? I, I, you can't. You can do both. They had $7 billion. It was in both bills. Now, and then what we did is in the second bill, it was just. In, did you read the bill? You do have to cut your answers down because but, you're getting three times more but, amount of time but, but as, did you as read, she is. Did, and it's just not fair. Did you, did you read the bill? Yes. You read the bill. But again, you, but again, did we're you read talking the bill? about funding Did you sources. read the bill? I read she the bill. Did you, did you but, read but, the second bill that was just... That was just yes, but, had, well, but, but that again... That second bill hasn't again. been out. It's not... Did you, what, no, you no, 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 no. I'm sorry. See, that's you're, the problem. You're talking... No, 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 no. No, now you can let me finish. You're asking me five questions at once. I read the original economic bill. And what I'm saying is that the reason that big part why it couldn't go forward is because the 62F funds were a good portion of that. So it didn't, it, we, they couldn't go forward with, with passing that and considering it because it didn't have the full funding source. So we've talked about that, Tom. I'd love to move on to another topic. And if we're going to talk about legislation, maybe we should talk about the importance of transparency because I know, I know that that's important to you. Huge. And, so let's you know, do that. Let's talk about transparency. So let's talk about transparency. So, you know, one of the things I have asked right from the, been asked right from the beginning is whether I will be transparent and whether I would support transparency of the legislature. I will support that. And, you know, uh, Joe here, his website says he supports transparency. If you support transparency, why are you blocking voters from your Facebook page and deleting voter, known voters, comments and messages on your Facebook page? Let me tell you about... No, 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 no. Just please answer the question. Since... Since since May eighth, I have been going out and knocking. I understand door. you're knocking. You get a little bit of question. Right, so I've been going out. Not, I am the probably most visible candidate in Massachusetts. I've been to six thousand doors. I have answered hundreds of emails. I've answered hundreds of phone calls. I've answered hundreds of texts. I've answered people on my website. I am the most visible person out there now. Banning somebody on your website, right, who was part of someone else's campaign, and I'd run this through a group of people, not myself, in order for gotcha questions, those individuals are taking away from not only my time, but the time of the residents that I'm trying to represent. I've got people in all of these towns trying to ask me questions, and they deserve answers that are done in earnest. We understand trolling, and that's what we have. We've banned probably a few people out of the, out of the thousands of the people that I've, they have gone out and talked with, but there is nobody more visible than me going out there and talking to people and listening to people. No one. Okay. So again, the question was about transparency. You are blocking voters, people who would be your constituents, because they support me? No. These, these, individuals, as far, these individuals, as far as I know, based upon the people that are working with me, are simply people from the, that are volunteers from your campaign, campaign. They recognize what gotcha questions are. We really have to be honest about this. This question in and of itself will tell you a lot about the character of the individual I'm going up against. Everything I just talked about, 
all the people out there that are hurting and struggling with all the policies, and I get a question about a few people that I've banned because they're trolling us mm -hmm. from her campaign. So, it's, it's so I'm sorry. So when people ask you questions, policy-related questions, I them. because they, I answer because them. they are, are supporters of me, you are blocking them we all and not answering I, them, I don't, right? I, so I think people, and they, they would be your There's a lot of love in this room. Right? Well, it's interesting. The, and the longer we go with this, I think it's the more that you can okay, see. Okay, so let me you, ask you this. You are you answering you, people's questions about reproductive rights? I just told you I answer questions okay. all the so time. So, Joe, where do you stand on reproductive rights? Right. If you were elected, are you pro-choice? Wait, before you go forward, and I can't let you get away with that. No. When you say reproductive rights, okay. you're talking about abortion. Abortion. Okay. If you, are you pro-choice or are you pro-life? Okay. Listen, and, and, and this a lot of times when I go out and ask people this, and I'm going to talk to you about when I go out there and talk to people on the doors and talk to the, my constituents out there, all right, because this question does come up, all right? And what I know, over the last two years, what we've seen, and the reason I'm in this campaign, right, is we've seen policies that have, have reduced state aid to our people. We've seen it ruin our economy. We've seen fentanyl coming in, demonization of the police. We've seen a lot of these changes that are hurting the, the constituents in, in, our, in our districts. The one thing that has not changed, all right, is abortion in Massachusetts. That is right? answering the question. Are I, you pro-choice or pro-life? Yeah, but you know what? With all due respect, I've been giving you a I lot am. of time and you're not answering. I am. So nothing has changed in Massachusetts except the, uh, in, in Massachusetts. Abortion has stayed the same. Established law. Now, now I am not running to change that law. That doesn't answer that, the question. I'm not here to change. Your voters have a right to know because guess can what? I, can I, if can you, I, if can you I under Okay. Go ahead. Thank Tell you. us where you're going to answer the question. Are you pro-choice or pro-life? Right. It's all about restrictions, right? Because when I talk to people about pro-life, I find that they're more pro-choice. I talk to people about pro-choice, they're more like pro-life. When you ask questions about it, you ask about restrictions, right? right? So um, I am not going to, I am not going to um, change anything that's in the law right now. What I will vote against, all right, is any expansion of uh, of abortion in Massachusetts. I will do that. When you say uh, expansion, do you mean? Expan expansion of, yeah, no, uh, no lessening. Late of, terms. Right, okay. exactly. I will, not, I will not vote for that. Okay. And. Go ahead. So, but I'm not asking if you would be in support of, of expanding the rights now. I am asking you if you are pro-choice or pro-life and you still haven't answered. I'm, I just gave my answer. No, no, no. What you yeah. said was that you wouldn't vote to expand the right. That's right. right. That, so that's a difference. Right. Because if you were elected, and it, because, you know, as you know, Dobbs, the Dobbs decision, put the power of, uh, or the control of, of reproductive rights and abortions back in the state, hands of the state. So you say it's settled law, it's not settled. Because that's how state laws work, right? We run, the legislature change, and, and, and laws evolve. They in, change. In fairness, so, in fairness though... Not everyone falls in the category of pro-life or pro-choice okay. because there are a lot of people who are for abortion in the first trimester, but not after that. Okay. Some to the second trimester, but not after okay. that. Okay. So, so if he wants to give a more clear answer on that, I'd be happy to hear it. But right now, this is an issue that is very important to many voters across this district. And if you've knocked on 6,000 doors, then you know that. And because that's, that, and this, because it is an issue, it is very important, and, and, if, and, and it could change if the legislature changed. It's not going to change, but the but thing that's is, not. But that's, that's diminishing that. That's diminishing it as an issue. No, no. It right now, right right now, uh, Massachusetts has the widest all right, access to abortion in the entire country. It actually got wider after the, because of the, before the Dobbs decision, we had the Roe Act. 
right? So it expanded it even more, right? But from this time, when I get in office, right, I am accepting established law as it is, and I'm not here to change it. Well, now, I can tell you this, right? I have told that to the people that I knock on doors, and they accept that. If my opponent doesn't want to accept it, that's up to her. That's my answer. Fair enough. My question is, because most people, we know abortion is not going to go away in Massachusetts, right? But what will come before the legislature is what kind of restrictions there would be. And you said that I've asked this in other debates, so I'll ask it here. Do either one of you favor any restrictions on abortion? Do you support abortion up on demand up until the moment of birth? Um, do, you, do you support um, schools being able to take underage girls for abortions behind their parents' backs? Is there anywhere in, the, in this abortion debate where you would have a restriction? Well, I don't know of any Either schools way. who take children to get abortions behind their parents' backs. You live in North Andover? I, I know that there are there's a judicial override, but I do not know of schools yeah. who bring children to get abortions. But I, I believe that a decision to have an abortion is a decision between the, the female and their health care provider. And guess what? When I had to make that decision... When I had to, when I miscarried twins and it wasn't complete and I had to make the decision, I was lucky enough to live in a state where I was able to have an abortion and I was able to be able to be here sitting with you and caring for my children. It wasn't an easy decision to make. It wasn't one I ever thought I would talk about publicly, Mm -hmm. but it was a decision that I had to make and I had to choose my health over over a, a pregnancy that had essentially ended. And so, you know what? I don't think we should be, ha- be getting involved. So you don't favor that. any restrictions? I think, that I, I think the laws as it, is, as it is written now is sufficient to cover that. We don't see doctors saying, you have a viable pregnant child that could be born now that we're going to terminate. And I also had a premature child who was born at 32 weeks. So I know that pregnancy, you know, um, it, um, like neonatal services is, is evolving. But we don't, we cannot speak to the individual experience because we are not in the room with the provider. And those are very difficult decisions to make. And so we, as a, as a legislature, we should not be, be sitting on someone's shoulder and limiting, and limiting that and making families have to choose. So your answer is no restrictions. My answer is as it, as it is now, there, no. And the, but there isn't anybody who was doing abortions at, at 40 weeks, at 35 weeks. In Massachusetts? What, what, tell, me, tell me one doctor who's done an abortion at 40 well, I, weeks. I don't have a list of doctors in my head, but I know for sure partial birth abortions are happening all over at, the state. At 40, at 40 weeks, at, 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 at full term. At full term, yes. Yes. Joe, do you have uh, any, any restrictions on abortions that you, would su- that you would support? Well, the only thing I can say is that's transparency for you. <laughs> it's like unbelievable, right? I told I'm, not sure, you, I, well, I'm I to- not sure what you mean. I do. I literally but, just said I do not believe I there should be any restrictions. I, I, don't, no. I don't. I don't think you. Should, yeah. For any. Yeah. My my stance is the way it is right now. So it's like I don't believe. Which is in, what? My I don't believe in abortions anytime for any reason. That's, that's the thing. All right. Okay. Um, fair enough. Um, one of my biggest issues is the homelessness issue, and I'm even more infuriated in the last couple of weeks to find out that while there are 150 people sleeping on the streets of Lawrence and another 300 or so people sleeping on the streets of Lowell, that the state saw fit to use state tax money to put illegal aliens up in a, ho- in a nice warm hotel room in Methuen right next door. Well, so uh, I'd like to know yep. what you guys think about the homelessness and addiction issue, and, are we not, uh, and should we not be prioritizing Americans before we are spending money on people who aren't supposed to be here? So here's the thing, Tom. None of them were undocumented. The mayor of, of Methuen has issued a statement. None of the, none of the individuals that were home, ho- housed at the um, hotels in Methuen were undocumented. Does that mean we, because we documented them after they 
no, 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 no. You're none of, they were legal aliens. They were all okay. they were all persons of status, and actually, some of them were were U.S. citizens. Some of okay. them were just families that were moved from the South Shore because there were no other locations for them. Okay. So, so it wasn't a matter of choosing, you know, one group of people over another group of people. Uh, that wasn't what actually happened. I think that because a lot of the families were of other uh, country descent, that was what the appearance was. But the mayor of Methuen has said it: none of them were out of status. Okay. So on the, on the homelessness home. and opioid addiction problem, it's, it's the biggest problem, I think, in the state. And it's one thing that the, none of the, nobody in the legislature has been able to effectively address. The governor has not been able to effectively address it. And it's getting worse and worse as the economy gets worse and worse. How do we take these people off the street? How do we get them into detox? How do we get them, um, um, how do, how do we get them off the streets from committing crimes and, and, do, and, and living out in squalor? I mean... We go down to the banks of the Merrimack River, and you've got to see some of the conditions and, these people and, are living in. And I, you know, and I'll tell you one of the things that I'm running for, and one of my passions is is really making sure that we are dealing with this mental health crisis. And I'm sure if you're seeing these people out there, that you would you would agree that um, the mental health crisis has really, you know, if not exasperated, created but exasperated that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of people that have have addiction issues, it started out with simple, you know treatable mental illness and then spiraled and uh, out of control. And, you know, I think one there, people have to be willing to get help. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. But we do need to be able to offer services. We need to have a more robust mental health system. We need to be able to make sure that our mental health system is coordinated and is wrap around for particularly like school age children. We don't, we have a disconnect between school and mental health providers, but we don't have enough mental health providers right now. We don't have enough social workers. We don't even have enough prescribers. We don't have enough beds, psychiatric beds. So yes, those are all things that could possibly help. But we got we got to get in there. We got to do the work. We have to figure out how we're going to fund that. We need. It shouldn't just be nonprofits and volunteers who are out there doing that work. Absolutely not. We need to address it, and we need to stop turning a blind eye to the mental health crisis. What, what is the solution, though? Because you can give people mental health services all you want if they're sleeping on the banks of the Merrimack River. It does That's not, not really help It doesn't anyone. help them, no. But I think, I think it helps us to, to get to, to be more preventative, right, so that those numbers aren't there. And, you know, for those that are there, they, they absolutely should be offered shelter. They should be offered hotel rooms if they're not, avail- you know, if they're not available. They should be offered further job training and, and other relief. But we have to fund those Joe? programs. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree and disagree. Um, first of all, in terms of... Uh, most of these people have substance abuse problems and their and mental health issues. Um, you need to you need to work with the agencies that are that are most uh, able to work with these and get their experts uh, and have a working group and talk about that. But I could tell you I could tell you right now, right? There there are people out there that are working at this and have been very successful. Have you ever written uh, read the book? It's Michael Schellenberger. I just uh, came across him. He's working with the people. Um, in LA right now. And he says, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people think, hey, we can just take these people and we can just go give them job training, right? Uh, give them, give them skills training. He goes, you can't do that. First of all, you got to shut down the encampments. He goes, you got to ban those. So you have to get politicians, maybe even people in a city. Like if you had Lawrence here committed to doing that, a uh, mayor was committed to doing that because it's going to take some funds. But the right? problem, the problem with hold that, on, hold on. But the, pro- no, the, the problem with that, Joe, is, Former Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera tried that, yep. and he went to all the homeless encampments, and we screamed bloody murder when he did it, and he bulldozed all of them. 
took all of their possessions, bulldozed their tents, whatever it is that they had, and you know what they did? They moved, they moved a block over. They didn't go to another state. They didn't go to another country. They're still in Lawrence. They're just a block over, so you, you've only moved the problem. You haven't solved anything. Well, you get, what you got to do, secondly, right, you got to have some funding for that, right? But you also got to fund buildings, right? You got to have, have rehab facilities where they can go to. And it's there, right, that you can start, you can start the process and start training them. At that you can't put them back where they came from, right? So you got to do job training. Then you have to get aggressive case managers to, dra- to track their process. So you need more mental health workers, right? But you need to build the facilities first, get them into the mental health facilities, get them into the rehab facilities, all right? And then start training them, all right? 122, 120 days later, if we're able to bring them out into the community, then we're going to track them. All right, through aggressive case managers. This is this is the process they're working on right now. And you can say whether or not it works or not, right? In LA, all right, this guy right here is doing it. This is what he's telling us that he needs to do. And he says the first step that he talks about, right? Legislation is the first step he talks about, right? I think giving them a sandwich is the first step, if you ask me. I shelter shelter first, treatment first, housing earned, right? That's his process. But you can do this through legislation. That's what he's going to do, all right? But this is a guy, all right, who's, an, who's doing this in L.A. right now, and he's having success. Those are the people you have to go and talk to and figure out how were you successful in one of the, Skid Row, one of the worst areas in L.A. He, he was successful, right? Go there, talk to him, right? And then we can start putting You'll get some great ideas from these people who have done it and done it successfully. It can be done, Tom. If he can do is it on room? Skid, if he can do it on Skid Row, you can do it in Lawrence. Don't say we can't do it. Every, I think we can every do police it. chief that I talk to, every single police chief from Lawrence to North Andover to Methuen, wherever I go, says the same thing. If we were able to do a thirty-day commitment when somebody overdoses and we Narcan them, that would put them into a system where they end up becoming dry because they're there mandatory thirty days, and it makes it a lot easier to get them into transitional housing and, and reintegrate the back into society. Should Massachusetts be walking down that road? Either one of you. I'll, you've had a lot of time. I'll get, like, you, know, you know, I got to tell you, I, that's, that is, I haven't heard that. So um, I'm always open to learning more about, um, you know, different policies and different ways of going down that. You know, I, I'm sure people further left than me might say, oh, we have to be careful of, of you know, where we fall in that on people's, you know, right, right to freedom. Um, but I, anything that's, anything is worth exploring and learning about and seeing what else is out there. And, you know, I, I have had, had family members who have had addiction issues and, and struggled and it's hard to watch. I mean, you watch, you know, some, some people want help or willing to have help and others it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's it heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you do need that something to, to jumpstart them. Sometimes that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, know what the true solution is but I'm I'm you know I'm not afraid to shy away from exploring what those what those possibilities are and you know if that's something that that is possible let's talk more about it when this is when this is over and I'm in because we do have to we have to do something something has got to change um and 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 simply saying you know let's let's move them into these facilities yeah I mean when they're in triage mode and they're and they're in the in the throes of addiction Job training isn't going to get them right. anything. It's not going to help them. Sectioning, sectioning people sectioning. for thirty days, uh, Joe. If they're if if the, if the police have to Narcan someone, I talked yep. to Lawrence Police. They say we Narcan the guy. He went to uh, uh, Holy Family. 
Uh, we put him in. He signed himself out six hours later, and we knock-canned him again eight hours after that because he went out and he used again. Um, every chief that I talk to says we sh- they, they, the cops ought to have the ability to section someone for 30 days if they've had to bring them back from death. I mean, that's a pretty tough thing to do. I'm willing to try anything to solve the problem, Tom. So if that's, if that's a, a possible solution, I am for it. Absolutely. Oh, Roy Vasquez is going to be happy to hear that. <laughs> um, education has... has been one of my pet peeves since I sat on the Lawrence School Committee way back 100 years ago, back in 1997, I think, Tom. Was it was that how long ago? It was 1997? That was the year I graduated high school. Oh, yeah, thanks for making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming, folks. Good night. Um, and, and one of the things that makes me so furious is since I was on the school committee, I've watched billions and billions of dollars be pumped into the education system and the quality of education getting worse especially in low-income and minority neighborhoods. You can't tell me that the kids in Lawrence aren't just as smart as the kids in North Andover, but we spend twice as much money in Lawrence and they get an inferior education. How do we take that disparity? And throwing money at the problem hasn't worked. So how do we take that disparity of the quality of education a kid in North Andover gets versus the quality of education a kid in Lawrence gets, especially given we're spending way more in Lawrence? I mean, I think it... it I don't think it's quite as simple as that. I, I think, you know, I know people who teach in hard districts like that. Um, and I also wouldn't say that education is worse than it was 30 years ago. I mean, my seventh grader is in a class called Applied Math and Science. And it's, it's a really cool class. They're, they're doing stocks. They're learning how to balance a checkbook. Then they're also doing some cool, like, science and engineering stuff. I mean, it's, it's an innovative class that was never in existence when I was younger. Um, but I think a lot of the difference between town like North Andover and Lawrence come from the family support and the ability of people to sit down and, and help their kids get, you know, extra tutors and, and help them with homework and, you know, make sure that they are, are up to par with their classmates versus, you know, communities or the lower socioeconomic um, places where, where people are just working two, three, four jobs and don't have the time to, to give to their, to their kids. And so I think that's one area where we can look at how can we support those families better? Mm-hmm. What can we do? And, you know, throwing money at it and not following through and not making sure that we're tracking to see where the ups and downs go is, is certainly a component of it. Um, and, and, you know, within this district, I've heard from some of the towns in the district that the Chapter 70 funding formula works and others that say it doesn't work. So it it is certainly worth looking into and seeing how we can better serve the the variety of of communities and how we can better serve those components, um, those those communities in those neighborhoods. Joe? Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything she said. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would concentrate when it comes to the state aid, I would concentrate on the special education funding uh, because it's not being, uh, they have, they're not even hitting the mandates uh, right now. Uh, So I would, I would absolutely handle that. And then when you get into the, into the, into the districts themselves, I mean, we can actually measure all this. We have the MCAS tests. Right, right now, I think North Andover, when they did U.S. best schools, high schools, they're like number 112, but they did it like 347 schools. Um, and then the regional schools are a little bit better. Um, I think Amesbury was 116 uh, when, when they were measuring it in terms of the rankings. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think you can use the MCAS um, to, to judge how well some of these schools are doing against each other. Uh, but absolutely, it's, I, I believe that, yeah, there's a lot more involvement here with the parents, uh, with their kids in North Andover than in Lawrence um, when it comes to that. And I think it makes a big difference. MCAS, do you support the MCAS? Yeah, and look, there's no perfect system. 
Uh, I mean, there is no perfect system. Whether it should be mandatory for um, for graduation, particularly coming out of the pandemic, I think is is something worth exploring. But it is good to have a tool um, to measure our, our children's progress. It concerns me that teachers t- teach sometimes just to the you know, or feel pressure to teach to to the test. Um, but again, there's there's need there needs to be something in place so that we can keep track of them. The other thing I hear on the education front across this district um, is regional transportation costs, which aren't covered and are supposed to be covered. So that's a concern um, from voters that I'm hearing in the 14th Essex. But I would agree special education costs and particularly cost, uh, covering the cost of out-of-district placements, that can be quite burdensome on, on, tax, uh, on taxpayers and so and on, lo- on the local community and the local you know, overall education budget. And so, yeah, maybe it seems like we're throwing money at things in our, and problems aren't being solved, but some of it is, is maybe going to those, those needs and, you know, Maybe we need to look at how much of that should be funded separately or what else we can do to empower the the school systems to keep those services in district. One of the things that very rarely gets talked about in education but is very effective for any community is is vocational training. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if either one of you would be okay with taking some of that education funding that's going to, especially inner cities, and mandating that if they don't have a vocational school in that area, that, that the public schools provide some kind of vocational training because a lot of these kids from the inner cities don't go on to college and they don't have a skill when they graduate and this would help them out. Yeah, I, I love vocational training. I think it's great. I think more and more kids would, would probably get involved with it. I think once they leave high school, not everybody's meant to go to college. Um, and so those people, and I know people go to vocational uh, schools and come out and become electricians or plumbers. They, they do. With very, no college debt. No college debt. Right. They love it, right? And, and we obviously need that type of skilled labor anyway. So I am a big proponent of vocational training. I mean, I have said right from the beginning of, of my campaign that expand, expanding, you know, access to education um, and ensuring that we are funding and getting good vocational education. You know, I have members of my extended family who have vocational educations and swore by it and have done very well successfully in life because of their vocational education. And so, yeah, I absolutely think we need to, to shift. And I think you're seeing that throughout the Commonwealth. I think you're seeing people recognize that not everybody is destined to go to college and that there is away and with the cost of higher education today, I think it makes sense for a lot of families, um, you know, to, to do. And, you know, again, I think you can make, and, and you know what we see, we see those people become small business owners, right? We see people who got their degree in landscaping or, or electrician become solo, you know, business owners. And that only helps bring money into our, into the district. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a small business owner here in Merrimack Valley and, um, you know, making it through the pandemic was, challenging. And, um, uh, and I think I can relate to small business owners who, who are struggling now, but it is, but there's nothing better than ha- knowing that you have, are, are, are not only, you know, providing business to your, to your community, but you're giving back directly to the community. Right. So I would love to see expansion of, of vocational training, but also, you know, m- seeing if we can help people as they get into the workforce and continue that into providing, you know, further grants for small businesses as people are, are becoming business, small business owners. And that's only going to serve our, our, our district better. Anything else on education before I move on? Because i got a big topic I want to talk about next. 
Nope, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So question four is it's it's a it's a it's a big controversy. People have very strong opinions on both sides. Uh, it makes people very emotional. What do you what do each of you think about question four, which would allow uh, illegal aliens to get driver's licenses in Massachusetts, which by the way would also allow them to drive in other states because there's license reciprocity. So someone gets a license in Massachusetts, they can drive in New York, they can drive in Nevada, they can come up to New Hampshire. What do you guys think? Either one of you think about that? I let Joe go first and I let her go first next last well, time. Well, thank you. You're not going to cut me off, though. You're going to let me. Well, but if you take 20 minutes, I'm going to cut you <laughs> off. But, but otherwise, I'll let you go. But I don't think it's a good idea. I think we hear the issue about it, the, the potential of, of using your driver's license um, for voting. And I think that's the big issue. But let me, let me in, in, the, in the basis of my decision is on this. This was a letter from, from Governor Baker. And this is what he said. The registry does not have the expertise or ability to verify the validity of many types of documents from other countries. Consequently, a standard Massachusetts driver's license will no longer confirm that a person is who they say they are. This bill also fails to include any measures to distinguish standard Massachusetts driver's licenses issued to persons who demonstrate lawful presence from those who do not. Additionally, it restricts the registry's ability to share citizenship information with those entities responsible for ensuring that only citizens register for for and vote in our elections. This bill significantly increases the risk that non-citizens will be registered registers to vote. So that is what Governor Baker uh, had mentioned, and that's the basis of my decision. Well, I respectfully disagree. And I I'm shocked. Think, I, th- right. I know, I with know. Me, I with know, me or I the know. governor? With both, with both. And you know what? I think I'm probably more aligned with Charlie Baker otherwise, but I do disagree. I doubt that. No, and, I don't. Uh, I don't doubt that at all. I do. He's a little bit further <laughs> left wing than people think <laughs> he is. Yeah. But he, not uh, that far. Um, look, look. Uh, the law particular, specifically says it shall not be used for voting purposes. And you know what? I am for it because I stand with police. Police across this, co- this commonwealth have said that this is better to protect them, to protect the community. And it, it brings revenue in. It gives us the ability to, if you were in a hit and run accident and the, and the car was licensed and registered, we can track the person who did it. We can, tr- we can find out, you know, who, who is responsible for multiple crimes if people are licensed. And you know what? All, a lot of the concerns, the public safety concerns on the other side, you know, we're not seeing the, the fallout or the repercussions of that in other states. And there are, what, 17 other states that already allow people to draw uh, un, uh, undocumented um, immigrants. I will not call them aliens because I'm pretty sure none of them have green skin and, and oh, big bulgy eyes. So, um, you know, so, so yeah, you know, it, that they, it is a public safety issue and I, I support it. And you know what? Can I ask you something? It, it's, um, it, it, this is up to the voters. Can, so can I ask you something? Who did you talk to the police and did they say that? Yes. I have who, spoken to police officers. Who did you talk to? Uh, I'm not going to start naming names of individuals that I've spoken to, but I have spoken to several police officers who are in support of it. No, 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 to- no. Saying it's a public safety issue yes because this is what this is what happens when i talk to the massachusetts state police and they've endorsed me of course um and and that is they say it's in it's so they can identify these individuals and being a law enforcement that's important but they do have a caveat and that is if in fact they are who they are on the license uh we can help identify that so this is a so um if you if you had asked them about um privilege cards would you be in favor of that i am what what is that the driver's privilege card 
It allows them to do, it allows them to drive vehicles. But that's not that, what's that's not what's on that's not what question four is. Question no, no. But I'm asking you: Would you be in favor? No, of I'm in favor of license. The reason I asked that is because Bruce Ta, all right, introduced that privilege cards, right? Because they have them in other states, right? You go to Connecticut, you I've go never to Virginia. Heard of that. Yeah, and so it's in place of driver's licenses because they're concerned that the driver's licenses will be used for voting. So when Tar brought it up, right, they voted it down, and that's why. My opponent doesn't want it. They want it for the voting. If they didn't want it for what? the voting, oh, the privilege cards, That's right? The privilege cards would be fine, right? No. What's the difference? Because the police, would, and when I asked the police this, sound a little they, conspiracy theorist they said, over they, here. They said that yes, they would, they would, they would, they would uh, in favor of the privilege cards. You know why? Because they said it would be able to identify the individual, which is why they want the driver's licenses. That's it. So it depends on so what wait, you. It, so, so, we, so you're sitting here telling me that you honestly believe that people who are in support of question number four are in support of question number four primarily so that undocumented no for right for driver's licenses so that people who are not U.S. citizens can vote. That's what you. That's why you. That that's what your concern. That's no, that, it, I, that it that it's that they're going to vote. That's what Charlie Baker said. You can argue against no. the government all you want. It's okay. It's, it's, it's fine. But I'm telling you, and with the privilege gods, that's but the thing fact, that came up it, in the it, legislature. This is the first time I've ever heard of a privilege yeah. gods. This yeah. is great. That's we're, why, edu- that's, we're educating the voters. Yeah, that's why, that's why Bruce Todd brought it up, right? Because he knows, he knows that they don't want it because they want them to vote. Right, so so he brought it up. It's the same thing. Well, let me ask. I mean that. I mean that's. Let let me let me ask you in all all fairness, because you say like it's so outrageous that how can anyone believe this? Would you be in favor of passing legislation that says absolutely illegal aliens cannot vote in Massachusetts? We don't need to. That's already the so law. So the answer is no, right? No, no, no. I, I have no... Well, first of all, again, I'm not going to use the term illegal alien, Tom, but I, if we need to be redundant and have another law that says people who do not have status in the United States and are not citizens cannot vote... Absolutely, that's okay. fine. All right, fair I enough. mean, it's unnecessary, it's right. redundant, but if that will make you happy, sure. I'd like to not? move on to something else unless you guys want to talk about this. Continue, yep. continue going on this. So um, we changed the state public records law not long ago. I had a, a large part in that um, because at the time I had asked Lawrence Mayor Willie Lantigua why he wasn't giving me the public documents I wanted. He looked me in the eye and said, there's no penalty in the law. So it says I have to give it to you, but it doesn't say what happens to me if I don't. So I, 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 so we worked with Diana DiZoglio, Katie Ives, uh, I think Jim Lyons at the time, to change the law. But right before it got passed, the legislature took out all of the language that said they had to comply with it and that the governor's office had to comply with it. Would you support a public records law that would say that the legislators and the governor has to comply with public records out of transparency? Whoever wants to go first. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a, law- a little lawyerly here. <laughs> it, that's a pretty broad blanket statement. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends to me on what, like, what specifically are you talking about? Are you talking about, you know, every single email, every single conference? Are you looking for Yeah, everything? I mean, if you're a public official, if you're a city councilor in Methuen, you're, every email a, that mm-hmm. you send, I can send a FOIA request and he, they've got to turn them over. Every text yep. that you send during a public meeting, you have to. But if I want to know the schedule of my state rep last week and I say, I want you to give me a copy of what your schedule was, they don't have to turn it over. If I say, I want to know any emails that you've sent back and forth to, say, the oil industry before that oil industry vote came up, they don't have to turn any of that over. And I kind of think, in, in, in the spirit of transparency, if the legislature is going to be making the laws about transparency, they ought to be subject to the laws yeah. of transparency. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think there are probably some 
some exceptions for public safety of uh, of the individual, mm-hmm. right? So I've done a lot of work de- de- defending yeah, you, you victims of domestic violence. Right, so yeah. you know, so I, I and 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 victims of stalking, and so I guess. Yes, I would agree, but I do think that there would there there should be some exceptions, you know, to, to provide for for that safety level, um, because you know, unfortunately, I have seen requests for public records used um, used against somebody and used as a method to to enact um, further, you know, methods of stalking or abuse. And so, you know, to, I always have to couch that with a little bit of a, right. there should be some protections built in. But I, I do think that there should be transparency. And like I said, I would support legislation that that requires transparency. Excellent. No, I agree with that. I think there's there, there may be a few exceptions to with, with, with pers- personal inf- personal information that you may find on some of these documents that have to be uh, blocked out. But for the most part, yeah, well, I mean, we did it for for a long time with the Freedom of Information Act. Well, this is we great did. because now my next question, uh, I, I, I'm Tom. sandbagging you. This was this Tom. was all a big trick. <laughs> I should have seen it coming. So the um, the mayor of Lawrence four years ago, three years ago, encrypted their police scanner. At the same time that they're putting up cameras in every neighborhood in the city. In other words, the government is watching us in Lawrence everywhere you go. Every stop sign you're at, every alleyway you walk through, there's a, there's a city government camera that the police have access to. And yet, they've encrypted their scanner, even though they're supposed to work for us, so that we can't know what they're doing in our neighborhood. Now, in the age of George Floyd, in the age of us being told by the media about how cops are out there gunning down black men for fun, right? Doesn't it make sense that the state of Massachusetts would pass a state law prohibiting the police on regular police calls from encrypting their scanners? As it, as it was before the encryption, if there was a drug deal, they had an encrypted channel that they could go to. If they went to a party and the, the music was being turned down because they heard it on the scanner and they had to keep going back and going back, they could swap over to a, a scrambled channel. But in Lawrence and in Haverhill right now, all of their calls, all of this, traffic stops, every domestic calls, everything is completely encrypted from the public finding out what they're doing. Would you guys support a law that would force police departments to be transparent on their public radios or on their radio systems? Whoever wants it first. No. <laughs> not, not until I talk to them. All right. Listen, I've been out. I don't like that answer. No. Well, the, the problem is, Tom, I've been out. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you some of the, uh, a case that, that we work drug cases. All right. In, in, in Chicago, we probably did a search warrant a day um, with drugs. All right. And we're working with CBD, CPD out there. And we're, we're kind of, and this, this, when I went out, we were on the south side of Chicago. This is very dangerous. Uh, I don't want anybody knowing. We encrypt all our radios when we go out there. But I'll tell you, so we go out there and we make, we make uh, controlled deliveries. And then you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, when I, I mean, when we've done controlled deliveries out there, we're hoping that the person opens up the package and then we can make the arrest. But you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I've been in cases right where they've come down and they and, and we see a van. They get into a van, right? No windows. We have no idea. I was on a case. No idea how many people were in there, whether or not they had firearms, anything. All right. I don't want anybody trying to track us in any way when we're out there. These are dangerous type investigations that we do, especially when it comes to drugs and weapons. But there's uh, an encrypted I, channel for those specific things. For regular traffic stops, for domestic calls, I used to go live on Facebook and I'd take my scanner and I'd be, at, I'd be live at the scene at a shooting. And the mayor at the time was trying to say, Willie Lantigua was trying to say, uh, violent crime is down by one third in the city. But the people who followed me on Facebook knew that wasn't true because they saw me going to three or four shootings a night. Now, the police in Lawrence could tell us anything and we have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing on the regular traffic stops, on the shooting calls, on, on those kind of things. I think on the regular calls, 
I'd like to see some some transparency out of the legislature for these police. Yeah, I think we've done it. I, truthfully, I think in terms of we, we've got them with body cameras already. All right. In, in my opinion, uh, all right. I would be just thinking right off the top of my head. I would be against that. All right. I would, but I would absolutely go out and talk to them to, to get their feelings on on that type of issue. But I'd be I would be against that, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I I would want to talk with with police. Um, I had so much hope for you. You know, I, I I no, I mean, I think I think it's good in theory, right? But again, I just go back to my representing victims of domestic violence and and having that just you weaponized, like access to that kind of information just weaponized, um, and so. Yeah, I, 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 there's probably a way to go about it and to do it, um, but I would want to learn a little bit more about the issue. And, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and say I absolutely this or absolutely that on a topic that I just don't know enough about. But I certainly would be willing to sit down, learn, you know, talk to talk to people like you, talk to people from the other side, kind of understand both 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 sides. But I'm not a hard no, but I'm, I can't sit here and tell you I'm a hard yes. I'm a hard I'd, no. I lived it. I know it. I'd say no. All right. Okay. Well, I, I don't like either one of those answers. But I, I, I only get one vote on election day, so it doesn't really matter what I where I think. Um, what is when? Is there one thing that either one of you completely disagree with your party on? I see so many people, especially in Washington and on Beacon Hill too, who just go a hundred percent with whatever their party wants. And I think a lot of people are looking for people who are a little bit more independent. Is there at least one, maybe two issues where either one of you have a very strong disagreement on your party on on a particular issue? I'll 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 address that because I when I go to to Beacon Hill, um, I know we're desperately in the minority, but I think it's important to try to work together uh, with with the with the other side. And this is what I tell people when I talk to them on the doors because I don't know who's answering the doors. I've got Democrats that answer the doors, and I tell them uh, when I'm running, I said, "Listen, if you come to me and you want help, I'm not going to be asking you if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, who you voted for." I said, "I'm just going to help you." That's my job as a state rep, um, and so um, I'm more. Uh, probably inclined, all right, uh, to work across the aisle to try to get things done. And that might be a little different. So you don't have any one particular issue that you could say, hey, the Republicans are really strong on this, and I don't agree with that at all. Let me give it some thought. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was hoping you would have thought of it before now. But yeah, okay. I wish I knew the question before. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, that's not how I roll. You know that. You know that. Adrian, any, anything? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, one thing that came up in the last year was the, was the uh, dangerousness bill, and, and, and Governor Baker wanted to expand the, the dangerousness bill and, and you know, uh, dangerousness hold. And, and there were. Um, Can you explain what it was? So it's essentially if, um, you know, if there are certain, certain types of crimes, um, people would be held pre you know pre-trial um and there's a there's a, a dangerousness bill a dangerousness hearing held and so the da- the bill would have expand the the categories of crimes that that would apply to and uh, many democrats were not in support of that and many um and, uh, and what would it do it, it would it would would it be, allow them to section someone who was, there, who was no, potentially it, dangerous. So prior to essentially prior to um, prior to going to trial, um, they would be and, and prior to you know kind of really early on in the process, um, they would be held uh, without having that due process. You know, ha- kind of go forward. So you just have this dangerousness hearing. I'm trying to think uh, to, to explain it in a way that that the listeners are going to understand. Um, and so a dangerousness hearing can be held, but right now there's a limited amount of categories of charges that um, that that's done on. And Governor Baker wanted to expand that, um, and I agree that it should be expanded. Um, and there were many who did not agree with that. 
All right. And I think, and, I, and there were a lot of Democrats who agreed with that, and, and it had to do with sexual assault was one of them um, that they wanted to to, uh, to put in there, and that that did not go. Or an assault where a person is um, strangling a person, anything to the throat was one of the issues that came up. Uh, and so, but it was almost like uh, they had a Democrat there that was working with with Governor Baker to try to get that through, um, and they just couldn't get it through. And there were a number of other issues, a number of DOIs that a person had. Um, so, and, and it is a due process too, because they have the ability, obviously, to submit evidence, do, do a hearing um, uh, with that too. So it wasn't just, hey, we, you're not going to have a, a, a no right. bail, and then we're going right. to we're going to see you uh, when uh, when you have your, your your hearing or at the trial. Uh, so they actually have a process in place uh, to protect their rights, even with the dangerousness. Uh, Bill, but that's what that's what that was all about. On, on that, uh, Adrian, uh, one of your buddies, Ed Lynch, sent in a question. He wants to know from both of you: Do you support the Offshore Wind Act? And please explain what that is to people at home who may not know, and the Roadmap to Net Zero Act. And please explain what that is if you know what that is too, so that at least people know what it is we're discussing. Yeah, so the the uh, Offshore Wind Act was just passed um, this past August, and the Roadmap to Net Zero was passed uh, previously in there. And there are uh, sweeping climate reform um, bills, which uh, make certain requirements across the, the Commonwealth for, for both the government and businesses in terms of reducing um, carbon and getting us to, to net zero, um, and also increasing offshore wind and adding job training. Um, and, and really, it's sh- it, it, they're pretty... Um, pretty broad sweeping, making us leaders in climate and climate reform. Um, and, uh, you know, but they, they still need to be implemented and they need to be funded. And I think they're important for us and for, you know, the next generation. When my, I told my girls, when we were discussing running for office, I said, what do you think is important? And they said, the planet can't get any warmer. <laughs> um, but you're just thinking that at school though, you know that, right? But it's true. It's true. It's true. And so, um, you know, so, Boy, I yeah, wish I was the support. candidate right now. That's for sure. It's um, so I am absolutely in support of, of those two bills and, and making sure that we're implementing them and we're funding them and expanding them. Joe. Yeah, they're talking about net zero emissions by a certain date, like what Charlie Baker's talking about. He's talking about 2050. Uh, we're talking about trying to do that, obviously, with the MBTA, trying to get those all electric by like 2035. The wind, the wind projects that, the, um, that are out there, part of the problem with that is they just lifted the caps. All right, the caps were such that every project that came after each other, they'd be lower in cost and was going to protect the rate, the rate payers. Right now, they lifted those caps, all right? And the other problem is, is they had a major... Um, project. It was a manufacturer that was going to do the, the offshore wind project. He just came back and just said, hey, because of inflation, right, our pricing agreements have to re, be redone. So, um, it, and so they want more money. He's saying right now it's not even viable with the project that they have. So, you know, here we go. I agree with this whole thing about uh, getting to net zero. But not right now, I would not do it so quickly. We've learned some lessons out in California, right? I mean, they got rolling blackouts. So what I would do is I would have, I would have a more balanced approach to the whole energy sector. I would not be declaring war on the, on the energy sector as it, what's going on right now. And we're full steam ahead here, here in Massachusetts. I mean, piling, um, you know, trying to get electric MBTAs, and we're piling hundreds of millions of dollars in that. That, that is absolutely just such a, uh, a poor-run system. No one's held accountable. We just pour money into it. And then all of a sudden, we want electric vehicles by like 2035. So I would spread it out. I would get there. I would have more, a more balanced approach. And then I would, I would put that money into, into, uh, into state aid. My whole, my whole 
thing is state aid. That's what it is. That's my number one priority. So we have a lot of spending. This is a lot of spending right here because we just pile money into it. And now we have the guy come. Now we have a manufacturer coming back and say, hey, you know something? That's not viable. We want more money. And so we'll just pour more money into it. So uh, I want to get there, no doubt. But I want it in a phased approach. And as we get better and better with solar, with wind and electric, then we phase out uh, the fossil fuels. Uh, but it's causing so much pain right now, um, I would go into a more balanced approach. That's, 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 that's how I feel. Um, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, question one is asking uh, if we should have a constitutional amendment to raise taxes on millionaires in Massachusetts. Now, I'm not a millionaire. I made about $26,000 last year because I pour all my money into my business. But um, the state has, I think, is it $7 billion? Is it $5 billion? $7 billion surplus this year. So With, the, with chapter so at 62 the, So at the state, same time that the state is telling us we, we taxed you too much, that we have so much money that even after we spent everything, we still have all this money left over, now they're asking for more. Doesn't that seem kind of hypocritical well, by the... By the, the, the surplus was uh, because of the infusion of federal, federal funds. Um, that's why we have inflation. But that's not... You know that's not a guarantee. That's not going to happen every year. That's not a guarantee. You know this is the having a surplus isn't something that we see year after year after year. So I don't think it's you know I don't think we can say oh well this year we had a surplus therefore you know unnecessary. This is but but increasing the taxes on millionaires. Are you for it against it? I support question. You do, Joe? No. You don't no, no, because it hurts some small businesses. I mean, small businesses and those people will sell their homes. Uh, so I don't. Any, listen, they would, tax it, they would tax the air you breathe. This is the problem, right? We've, we're number four right now in net migration. Do we have to be number one? What do you mean by net migration of people who don't know? 30, 37,000 people last year, all right, in 2021 left Massachusetts with $2.5 billion of tax revenue, all right? The businesses right now are at 34. They're saying right now for small businesses, all right, if they pass this, they're going to go to 47. Do they? And so this is why people, they're leaving in but droves. You can't. Don't hold back. Small, if you small, want to jump well, in, small, jump but, in. But small, small businesses, most small businesses are community-based. So picking up your, you know, your electrical job or your, your plumbing company and moving out of state is just not realistic for most people. I, I do not believe most small businesses are going to leave. And I think if we're talking about real small businesses, the, the impact on small businesses, if you're making more than a million dollars a year, are you really a small business? Are you a micro business? Not not really. Not really. I mean, the, the percentage of people that this impacts in the state is, is in fact, minimal. Uh, no, I, I wish I was I, a candidate because I want to disagree with that so much. Yeah. You know, I'm, well, a, I, I'm a small this, business. I'm an S-corp, mm-hmm. which means that you, our, isn't, our, isn't, your, isn't your income, isn't, isn't it taxed, though, at, at the income rate that you get, right? Yes. It, so yes. because we're an S-corp, our yes. business doesn't pay taxes. No. But as a shareholder... I have to pay taxes yeah. on what the company made. So we grossed, let's say last year, about $250,000. If I had a few more employees, yeah. if I had a few more uh, people like me working, we easily could be up to a million dollars and then I'd be getting killed for 90 grand. How does that help? How does that help? How what? does it help the Commonwealth? By taxing smaller, if you're telling a small business like me that if you work harder and you make more, we're going to take more of your money, what's my incentive to work harder and make more? 
well, that's just human nature. We're people are going to work harder and make more. I mean, that's 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 but not the, if you're going to not if you're going to take it from me, though. Yeah, but I don't think that that's the majority of the a- attitude. And okay. the fact of the matter is, this is a question on the ballot, right? It's not mm-hmm. a question as a state representative that I'm going to be voting on. This well, is that, brought not, to nece- the, not that, necessarily true to because the- once something goes on the ballot and it gets accepted, the legislature yeah, does right. have to pass it. And we saw with gay marriage some 15 years ago, it was put on the ballot, and the legislature overrode it. So the legislature does have a say. Right, but yeah. but if you're asking me today, yeah. right, we're talking about a question that's going to the voters. Right, Joe, so it's up any, to the voters. Any, any Let them decide. No, it's not surprising they're taxing small businesses. I mean, they've been, that's that's all they do is tax people. The whole problem with Massachusetts is they spend too much. They have they and they tax too much. That's what they do, and that's why we th- listen. The, the the stats do not lie. People. Are, I told you we're but number. Do, but do, we're number four, and then and then the businesses are, le- are leaving also, but, and it's like it's and they're going to New Hampshire. But how? But you because keep talking num- about because they're number six state right now aid and business tax being climate. your priority. State aid is your priority. It, it is doing expanding this, expanding this. You can't have tax cuts and and expanding state aid. They, I, they just you know, you don't know how I, really go. Together. You know how I know how I'm going to do it, and this is going to be a surprise for you. Right, cut spending someplace else. Right, so what we have yeah, is that's we a, ha- that's a surprise. That it was is really it, condescending. It, it but you know it what? Is, it is because ha- we you know have because, what? Like, uh, because we have we have a wish list. Oh, of gee, a white man talking want. over me, shocking. Oh well, that was that was kind of a racist comment. Yeah, but, well, that's yeah. what I get in the courtroom all the time. And the fact is, I was talking and he was talking over me. Well, that's what a debate like, is. That's yeah, what, that's you know what. So like, I guess I won't debate anymore. Hmm. I guess if they don't, like, what happens? No, when we they want you to talk to each other, but you really shouldn't talk over each other so right. people at home can't hear you. This, yeah, and if you have a difference of opinion, this is what happens. They call right. you a racist. I mean, it's, it's, no, this is, this is no, I didn't different. call you a racist. No, I said her comment was my, racist. Yeah, she said my comment was. She mentioned your race. Of course, it was. But we, it's a lot of but, love in this room. Yeah, I'm and, enjoying it immensely, yeah, though. If you go through the, if you go through the but bills, where are if you, you going to spend? If you go through, where are you going to cut? One of the things I would cut, I had mentioned, I would go into a, into a more phased-in um, net zero emission uh, uh, goal. So I would have I would have a more balanced approach, using more uh, gas, more oil. I said, and then more gas and more oil than we have right now. Right, we, we, we've declared war on the on, on the on the uh, energy sector. I would not do that, um, and so I would have a more balanced approach in terms of energy, and that would bring down the costs. And as we get better and better, I wouldn't do what California is doing, asking people not to drive their vehicles or shut their lights off or, or and have rolling blow, blackouts. I would not be doing that. Is there a tax? That you would favor increasing, and there is there a tax that you would favor decreasing? No, Are you, that's all we do is tax here, Tom. That's all. Listen, they want to do. So a there's co- no tax at all that you you would say, yeah, you know what? This actually would help the Commonwealth. You I, don't know any. We we had. I would I would favor the tax cuts and the rebates and the credits we had in the economic in the economic development bill with with, with the four billion dollars, and there's a ton of it in there that I would favor. All right. So, uh, but listen, they wanted a, con- a consumption price tax. You know what that is? No. They had this in legislature. It's like they want people to go from their vehicles, all right, to the MBTA or public transportation, all right, during rush hour time. So what they do is they, they raise the cost of the tolls in the morning and then in the evening. Yes, and right? that's been successful in other states. And, and so, 
It's, another, it's just another tax. I'm telling you, it's, it's endless. If you go into the bills, it's tax after tax, but you have to tax because they don't want to, they do not want to prioritize spending at all. Is there, so, is there a tax yes. that you would decrease? Is there, are yeah. there taxes that you looked at and say, you know, even that's a little too much for me? Yes, I, I would look at increasing the earned income credit. I would look at decreasing taxes for seniors. I mean, I think absolutely there are, are places where we should be and can be making tax cuts. I would increase the, the, the tax credits for families. I think there absolutely are places there, that there can be tax cuts. What's the number one priority? If either one of you get elected, you're going to get sworn in in January, I think January 4th, January 6th, something like that. And then you're going to start, you're going to start submitting bills right away because you've only got a few weeks before you can, the deadline is for filing bills. What's your number one priority when you, when you first get sworn in, you walk into your office, what are you doing? My, my first priority is, is making sure that we're putting in budget requests throughout the district for all of these, these measures that we've talked about. You know, I've spoken with leaders throughout, you know, every town in the city of Amesbury, and that's their priority and making sure that they are getting the support from the state that they need. So that's, so that's first. And beyond that, you know, looking at mental health services, because we need to address this crisis. We need to address it now. We need to address it now. It is a crisis. Whether people acknowledge it or not, we have to change something because we are seeing children and families and elderly and veterans who cannot get services. And if we can't get services, then as we've talked about, people spiral and then, then we don't have good citizens. So if we can get better preventative services, we can be better as a society, better as a community, better as a district. And so dealing with and really getting digging right into mental health services is going to be something I will do right away um, beyond just budgetary. Day one, Joe? I like that idea, but what I would do is I would uh, concentrate on trying to increase the funding um, for our special education uh, programs in the in the towns that I represent. I'd also go for regional uh, transportation costs for the for the towns that I represent. Uh, so additional funding for the for the schools, Chapter seventy. Uh, so all of those we have unfunded mandates um, in all of those uh, categories, and all of those towns are suffering and have told me about it. That's what I'm going to do is respond to what the people in my districts want, not my party. All right. It's going to be what's, what's for them. And that's what they've told me to do. I'd be fighting also for a water filtration plant, um, in Groveland, uh, because of, uh, because of the water situation. Water is always an issue in a lot of these towns. Combined. You're bigfooting my next question again. Combined, it's almost like you're reading my mind, but go combined, ahead. Combined sewers that we have, right? Where we have overflows into, into the Merrimack River. We, we need to fix the sewer lines in there. So, and it's all about state aid. I mean, we talk about. It. I know. I know my point because you know where you're going to cut. My 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 number one priority is the towns. That's it. I'm going to be representing them. They need they need to have those costs, and we didn't get it in the, in the economic development bill. But we need to have that done for our towns, and that's who I'm representing, and that's what I'm going after. So we've got about ten minutes left, and we can go over uh, as long as I can make it to Borelli's Deli by four o'clock because they close, and that's where I get my sausages on Thursdays. And speaking of sponsors, I want to thank McLennan Real Estate, Century Twenty One in Methuen, Lazy River Products in Drake, Best Cannabis in the Merrimack Valley, and by the way. Best prices in the Merrimack Valley. Marsan and Sun Construction, EIS Investigation, Borelli's Deli, Clear Path for Veterans New England, a free shout out to them, and uh, Sal DeFranco, candidate for State Senate, and I'm sorry, I forgot, AFC Urgent Care and Pleasant Valley Landscaping. Um, Joe, you kind of big-footed my next question. I was going to ask you guys, are there some local issues that aren't such so broad as what we've discussed so far um, that you would tackle once you get in? North Andover and Groveland, and West Newberry, and Boxford, 
and Amesbury all seem like they're very similar towns. But once you go into those towns, you realize they all have very unique, they have very, very unique uh, needs and very unique problems. Um, what local issues will you guys focus on? Well, I, I think um, the combined sewer overflow is an issue. But the other thing that I've spoken with uh, many people in, in parts of the district is is really public safety and making sure that they're getting the funding that they need for equipment and training, and particularly the firefighters. Um, you know, there is a limited amount of resources in the fire de- fire departments in Boxford, Groveland, and West Newberry, and the fire department in Amesbury with their advanced life support system um, is often called out um, to provide mutual aid. And so there they are pressed. Um, and so I think it's important that we, we work with them and look at whether we need to regionalize the, the remaining towns um, or, you know, look at a, a better system because they are, they are pressed. Um, and there are times where, you know, I've spoken with the fire chiefs and a couple of the, the towns who have said that they have been concerned about whether they're going to be able to get to people in bad car accidents or get back to a fire um, because of their limited, you know, part, part-time um, departments. And you wanted to call me to task because you say I got something wrong in one of my columns and I promised you that yep. I'll give you the opportunity. You did. You did. You did. I promised I'd give you the opportunity you to set the record straight. You did. You did. And I appreciate re- remembering that you, you wrote that I was, I'm in support of defund the police and I am not, um, at, you know, again, I've spent years representing victims of domestic violence and police, good first responders can make a huge difference in the life of, of, of a survivor or victim of domestic violence. Someone who was well-trained in how to respond, how to recognize when someone is saying, no, I'm okay and how to come back and, and really keep that individual safe is life-changing. And it, I mean, and when I tell you it's life-changing, I have clients who have literally lived because of good, good first responders. Um, and so it is important that we're training, uh, that we're providing training and we're getting, you know, that they're, we're able to keep the police forces of the size that they need that's appropriate and that they are, you know, are, are, culturally competent and, you know, and have, um, bias training and any other training that they need. I mean, look, these are not, you know, people who are, who are necessarily, um, responding to situations in the same way a department in Lawrence might. Um, but they doesn't mean that their training should be any, any less or any different. And, you know, I think we have strong police force. I had a great opportunity to speak with some of the police officers in Amesbury, and they have said that, um, that the, that the increase in responses to situations that are mental health-based has been a challenge. So seeing if we can bring on social workers to work in conjunction with um, the police force, I think is, is, is great. And so none of those are, are uh, part of that defund the police movement. I, you know, I sort of joke, I'm not defund the police. I'm like, fund them, fund them, fund them, fund them. Um, because they really do make our communities uh, better. Well, yeah. you have our apologies if we made a mistake. I Joe? appreciate that. What was the question? Yeah. Uh, it was. It local. was. What specific? Other than what you already talked about. Okay. What specific local issues to the the various towns you're going to represent? Are you going to tackle? What What are some of the? What are those some of those unique problems in Boxford that North Andover doesn't have, or Amesbury that Boxford doesn't have? I, I could tell you one of the big issues that I hear when I'm out there is overdevelopment, and it has to really do with the zoning that they're concerned with. And so right now, if you just talk, and, and I talk to people in the smaller towns, it obviously uh, affects the larger towns, and the North Andover is one of them, with high-density residential developments, which is really impacting a lot of the services in the town. Um, we're very concerned about our water um, in there because we have a private lake. We're very concerned about the traffic. Uh, we had a report that came out in 2018 where it talked about the report, uh, independent uh, uh, person came in and says, hey, you have a healthy inventory of multifamily homes in North Andover. What did we do after that? 
And then there were concerns. The concerns of the citizens were, hey, we have too much traffic. Hey, we got too much traffic going down our side streets. Uh, we're concerned about our water. Um, and so concerned about the school capacity. Uh, and so what happened? Um, the town then obviously approved like 600 units. What happened, though, is in, at Beacon Hill, they reduced the, uh, it's called, I believe it's, um, I forget, housing choice, I think is what it was. And what they did, this is for housing development. They, they relaxed the zoning. Um, and so now if you want to build a high-density residential development, you only need a simple majority from the town as a supermajority. Mara Healy has come in and says, hey, we're going to reduce that even more. Um, legislation does hurt us, and, and people are scared when they hear that type of language, that Beacon Hill wants to decide how these towns grow, uh, as opposed to the people in the towns deciding how they grow and where they grow. Uh, and that's a problem. We had legislation where we had inclusionary zoning. Um, and what happened there is that uh, it was defeated, believe it or not, because what happens is the developers do not like to build affordable housing. And that's it. I mean, so... Um, and, and they don't make as much money. They don't, because they have to subsidize, subsidize it. So that went, that went down uh, in flames. But the thing is, is that, so that's one of the things that they're very concerned with. I can tell you about the policing. All right, the things on the mind, and I like to ask my opponent what she thinks of post. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's the worst piece of uh, legislation that's come across since my lifetime in, 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 in policing. And well, if, if, you, and if, if you go, I, if and, I may, um, can I can I just finish, please? Um, well, you asked her a question. Yeah. Okay. Let her, let her get something in. Um, I, I actually was just going to say, uh, as to the the um, zoning change, that was actually a bill that was brought forth um, um, and proposed by Governor Baker, and had uh, had bipartisan support in both in the House and the Senate. And it was part of the economic uh, development um, bill that that um, was uh, geared at keeping businesses in the state, like you talked about. I mean, businesses are leaving the state not just because of the taxes, but because of the lack of housing and the inability to house their employees. And so it was designed to make it easier for people to be able to build housing. Uh, it is still up to the town. There still has to be a majority uh, vote. Super. Um, but super. I think he's saying super majority. Well, no. Yeah. You, no, it went from a super majority yeah, to, a, to a simple majority. Simple majority. So yeah. there still has to be a majority. There still has to be a majority vote in order for these for, for housing complexes to, to be built. So it is still in the power of the people, of the, of the individual municipalities uh, to decide. But it is, it is geared at and trying to keep businesses in, in the state, which is what you've, one of the things you've identified as a, as a priority. Gotcha. Yeah, in, in, terms of, in terms of post, um, you could talk to any law enforcement agency. I don't care who it is. If that's not their one, number one topic, I mean, I'd be absolutely surprised. Um, and, and this what, is, it, what is it? Explain what it is. That is peace office standards and training. And so the big part of that is that how they handle misconduct within, within the police force now. They have a civilian board basically that does that. Um, and they have broad powers. And that's, the, and that's the real problem. And that's what the policing do not like. And how, is, it, how is this board, uh, uh, is it appointed? Is it elected? Yeah it's, appointed, it? yeah, yeah, it's appointed by the governor and then the AG, uh, which is, which is, a, which is from, from law enforcement point of view, is a, very, is a big problem. Because obviously you get a Democrat uh, governor in there with the government AG, right? You're going to have ACLA you, uh, attorneys in there. You're going to have all types of attorneys who probably don't like law enforcement. Um, and so that's, and, and they have, they have broad powers for decertifying uh, and certifying offices. Um, and that is a huge problem. And I can tell you this, one of the reasons, and, and maybe someone else can tell me, um, 
when you have applications from the Mass State Police going from twenty to 30,000 to 7,000 in that last exam, all right, that is, that is a huge issue for them. Why are people retiring, right, when they can retire as opposed to staying on, on the police force? It's two things. It's post and it's rhetoric, all right? We still have people, um, leaders in, in this community, all right, who still have harsh rhetoric toward the police. They're not respected. Um, they call them abusive. They call them overpaid. They call them an existential threat. All right. Um, those type of things that are said, all right, hurt the police. And I was in there and I saw a part of that going on when I was there and I saw it turning. Uh, now it's on steroids. Yeah. And, and that's why people, if you talk to the police officers, they hate that. All right. And they're very frustrated by it. And, and that's why they're endorsing me because I'm a friend to the police and they know it. All right. And that, and if you don't know what post is, all right, there's something wrong. Because that is the major issue with the policing right now. So it's not, and, and I'll tell you this, training. With, the police will tell you this, too. They're, Joe, they're not defunding us. Because that's a bad word. We know what happened with the polls and defunding, right? So what happens is, is they're not even being properly funded. They have unfunded mandates for training. If you talk to police officers, they should have told you that. It's like, that's their big issue. It's like, hey, yeah, we're sending people to training, but we're not getting the money for it. They're getting some of it, but not all of it. I mean, this is a huge issue for them. How, how in the world they would not have said that? that that's not what I'm hearing in our district. That's just not really? what I'm hearing in our district. That is, un- that is hard to believe. Well, Being well, in law enforcement. I have one more question before we, do, uh, before we wrap up. We can, we can keep going, right? Is that okay? <laughs> hey, well, here's a question you never thought you'd hear me ask. But it came from uh, another question from your buddy, Ed Lynch. Uh, gay and lesbian protections. Mm-hmm. If the Supreme Court cuts down um, gay marriage privacy protections for gays and lesbians, will you support... Uh, gays and gays and lesbian. It says LBGT with all the acronym LBGTQ colon backslash semicolon. Um, but would would you protect uh, uh, that community? Yes, is the down. question we have from Adledge. Yep. Yeah, I support I support all people. I think they should be free. Uh, I think they should be safe wherever they go. I, I think they should never be discriminated against. And if anybody has an issue uh, with that, they should come to me because I'm going to be able to help them. Excellent. All right, let's give each of you, and I'm not going to time it, but just be respectful of the time. Uh, a few minutes to make your last pitch. This may be the last time, this will be the last time, unless you're knocking doors, uh, that people Which will hear are. from you before they vote on Tuesday. Uh, make, your, make your pitch and include how people can get in touch with you, make a donation, your website, all that kind of stuff. So if somebody's watching, maybe they're watching it in a couple of days from now over the weekend, and they say, I want to make a donation or I want to go hold signs on Election Day. So give them uh, a flavor of who you are and make your final pitch and why. And whoever wants to go first, I will leave it up to you guys as to who wants to go first or last. Well, I went first at the beginning, so I defer to Joe here. All right. Thank you. Tom, um, thanks for, for hosting this event. I appreciate it. Was it, it fair? Do you think it was fair? I do. Okay. All right, good. I do. It's the only thing I care about. Thank you, Adrian, for being here also. Uh, I want to thank those who are listening and, and thank those who, who are in the audience. Um, I, want to, I want to start by saying I started my campaign uh, for state rep back on May 8th. Uh, and I thought the most important thing to do was knock on doors to talk to people face-to-face to understand what concerned them the most. I thought it was the least I could do to earn their vote. Today, I can tell you that I've gone to over 6,000 doors, and I have met some of the nicest people in the district, people who invited me into their homes, people who offered me water during those 102-degree days, people offering me food at their kitchen table. It's been an unbelievable experience. And I want to share a story of... of, uh, 
that I had that might shed some light on how uh, you can expect me to represent you as state representative. One day when I was out there, knocked on a door, a young man came to the door. I handed him my door hanger and I introduced myself. The first thing he did was ask me, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And I said, I'm a Republican. At that time, he took the door hanger and he started to rip it up in my face. And I said to him, I said, I told him if I'm elected, and you've heard this before from me, and you come to me with a problem, I will not ask you if you are a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or who voted for you. I will simply help you because that's what a state rep should do. I also told him that I'm going to have office hours throughout all of the, all of the district, throughout the district. Um, so I'm going to work it as a full-time job. And I invited him, come and see me. We left on great terms that day. I will always be accessible to help the people of the 14th Essex District. And I hope that you will consider voting for me as your next state rep. You can reach me at my website, electjofin.com. Thank you. That's it. Okay. Adrian, last word. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having Was me I fair? today. You were fair. Okay, you that's were all fair. I care. That's all a little I care. smoky in here, but that's okay. You I, didn't I had smoke. one I hit. I'm, I appreciate I'm holding it. on to the end. Oh, two. I'm sorry. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, so, listen, I have, I, I, if you had asked me in January of 2022 if I was going to be running for office, I would have told you no. But when I heard the seat was open, I felt, um, I felt it was my obligation and duty to, to step forth. I have always thought that my path in life was going to lead me here and here I am. You know, I have a broad breadth of experience and I'm helping families through difficult matters every day. I know that I can serve this community well. And, you know, addition to knocking doors, which I have also been doing, I've been meeting the community where they are. I'm going to events across the district. I'm meeting families at schools. I'm meeting police in the field. I'm going to all of the community, you know, fall festivals. I, I've eaten so many cider donuts this past two months that uh, it's a bit surprising. Um, and I, because it's important for me and to understand this district, to understand how the needs of Groveland are different from the needs of West Newberry, are different from the needs of Amesbury, Boxford, and, and North Andover. I have met individuals who have strong beliefs and strong um, issues that they want to bring to the table right away. And I've listened and I've heard them and I'm ready to serve. I, I'm able to get things done. I'm able to work with people to, to get, to make a difference and to get that common goal met. You know, I, I'm in the thick of it with my kids through in the public education. I get it. I understand what you need. I understand that it's not as simple as, you know, tax cuts or ta adding taxes. I understand that a lot of this job is constituent services and bringing money back to the district. And I'm following in big footsteps. Anyone who is familiar with Christina Minicucci knows that she has worked very hard and has brought a lot of money back to the district. And I plan to do the same. Um, so please, I hope that I have earned your vote. My uh, website is www.vote, the number four, and then Ramos, R-A-M-O-S.com. That's voteforramos.com. I'm also on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email me at R-A-M-O-S, 4rep, 
R E the number four, and then rep at gmail.com. And I'm going to answer everyone's questions. I'm not blocking voters from my Facebook page. I'm answering emails. I'm answering phone calls. I'm knocking on doors and answering questions. I have nothing to hide. And I, I hope that I can be your next state representative. Can I get a commitment from each of you that if you win, you will come back and talk to the constituents after you win? Yes. Yes. Joe, excellent. Thank you very much. The election is November 8th. Um, hopefully, if you're watching this, it's before November 8th. We have two really well-educated, very well-spoken, very nice individuals uh, who, are, who are asking for your vote. It is Adrian Ramos, and I've been saying Ramos, I'm sorry, because I'm from Lawrence, so that's, uh, <laughs> mo- most of my neighbors say Ramos, uh, versus Joe Finn. Adrian is a Democrat. Uh, Joe Finn is a Republican. What, whoever you vote for on Election Day, please vote. Uh, if you haven't already voted early, it is November 8th on Tuesday. And we want to thank all of our sponsors. Uh, let's pull them up. Uh, I had them here. I was ready. And here it is. McLennan Real Estate Century 21. Uh, State Senate candidate Sal DeFranco. Republican State Senate candidate Sal DeFranco. Clear Path for Veterans New England. Tomo and Shaken Seafood, Borelli's Deli, where I'm going to get my sausages like right now, uh, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, Lazy River Products and Drake, Marsan and Sun Construction, and AFC Urgent Care. Oh, we forgot Pleasant Valley. We can't forget Dave Idconsoli. We can't forget him at all. He'll be back in a couple of weeks after the election. Sounds like Mel Rotella says we got to go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.